I'm Anthony Steves, and this is a Based on a True Journey side journey. Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to Based on a True Journey. I am your host, Anthony Steves. Um, welcome back, of course, if you've been listening. If this is your first episode, hey, welcome to Based on a True Journey. Um, this one is going to be different from previous episodes. It is a side journey. And I'm kind of going to go off the cuff. I'm going to go unedited, unedited to a degree. Um, there'll be some maybe cuts here and there, but no music, no fancy bumpers, no, no usual tricks I have on here. This is going to be just me raw, emotionally, just letting out to you. And it's about a topic that we've all been dealing with. As Americans, um, or you know, actually Americans or people around the world, um, it's regarding the 20 year anniversary of 9 11, which just passed. I'm recording this, of course, the week after, um, because I wanted to get uh, get a sense of where we were this 20th anniversary, which it feels weird saying anniversary because of you know the the weight of the topic. But I believe, I mean, that's the best word we can use. And those of you who've been listening, you know that in season one, uh, I had an episode dedicated to two individuals. It was titled Masood and O'Neill, The Men Who Tried. And in that episode, I discuss uh, the two men who did everything in their power to attempt to warn the world of the threat of Osama bin Laden and Al-Qaeda. And no matter how much they tried, it just wasn't enough. And I wanted to honor those two men. Now with this episode, this is going to be more of a mix of history and my feelings. And you may agree with me. You may disagree with me. I'm not going to get insanely political. I'm just going to do my best to stay true to the history and how I felt about it and how I feel today. Okay, so here we go. So in the episode Masood and O'Neill, The Men Who Tried, I blended together what I went through that day on 9-11 while also telling you the tale of these two men, Masood and O'Neill. In the weeks after 9-11, I was glued to the TV, like I'm sure many of you were. I was looking up for any, looking up any updates, any news, anything that may have been connected regarding the events of 9-11, I was glued to it. Now, mind you, before this, I'd been a history buff, but never really paid attention to politics. You know, I remembered current events, I, I liked history, enjoyed movies about them, but didn't really pay attention to politics, ideologies, who's left, who's right, what have you, until 9-11. That's when it started. And... It opened a world for me, a world that was going on that I had no idea about. And it was 
because of 9-11 is when I started to learn about how events from the past still affect us today and in the future. You know, you can't just, uh, whatever happened in history happened then and never ever again think about it. No, the events that occur on this planet, in this globe, aren't forgotten. And like, you know, like quoting chaos theory or something, it's it'll create a wave. And that wave could be a, you know, fast approaching tidal wave or a very, very, you know, subtle, small wave coming your direction. But things that occurred in the past end up coming back to our present or will be in our future. And something I hear a lot um, as, as the years went on, especially now on the 20th anniversary, was references to how we were on 9-12. Everyone likes to go back and say how united we were as a country on 9-12. And I, I get the point. And to a degree, I understand it. I, I understand that longing for what we, what we had on 9-12. We all cared for each other. We all waved our American flags. We all stood in solidarity. But there's things we did on 9-12 and the weeks after, months after, that we shouldn't be proud of. You know, And it wasn't a majority, but a lot of us started having these um, views and bad takes on anything that was not American or anything that originated from the Middle East. There was a lot of negativity going on. We didn't differentiate between Muslim and radicalized terrorists. We started lumping them together. Whether we meant to or not, can't tell you, but we did it. And it's not a good look. So if there's something we can leave back in 9-12, it's that. That was not our best moment. We were right to want justice against Al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden and radicalized terrorists. We were wrong in oversimplifying it by saying all Muslims. Not all Muslims are terrorists. And we let our blind patriotism blind us. Not all of us, but it was very apparent, very loud at that time. And there's a difference between patriotic and nationalistic. They are two different things. But the need for us to be united is always, you know, is, is a, a positive aspect, is something to, st- something to strive for. And we were united going into Afghanistan. Whether or not we had the right goals in mind, that's something we can look back on now and, you know, critique, you know, Monday morning quarterback it all we can. And then we started to take these steps of going into different areas. We then went to Iraq, which, you know, looking back now, we should have never gone into Iraq. We sent so many of our men and women into Iraq. And, you know, if we could take things back, if there was, you know, something we could go back in time and rewrite, I would say it's that. We took the eye off the ball with Al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden and we went to Iraq and, you know, many would argue that's where things took a turn regarding the war on terror. And where exactly do we take the war on terror? Do we fight every single terrorist group in the world? And if you want to do that, are you willing to put forth the capital, the investment that that would take? Because that's not going to be an overnight thing. 
You don't beat terrorism in a week, in a year, in 10 years, as we all know now. And it's like we started to wane in our united front because we couldn't decide what we wanted to do. Are we just another country that should, shouldn't be policing the world? Or are we supposed to be the big heroic nation that defends all forms of freedom? And are we willing to do what is right? Is defending freedom only defending things that go along our way? Or should we be defending freedom even if it has no positive or any effect for us? Because if there's anything the history of watching fictional heroes, both on television or in comic books, it's that the hero doesn't do the heroic thing because it benefits them. They just do it. So are we that type of nation? Or do we only do the right and heroic thing if it benefits us? And if it doesn't, eh, push it aside. You tell me. So we go 20 years, the war on terror, Afghanistan, Iraq, thousands of lives lost, trillions of dollars spent to where we are today, present day, September 2021, we've hit the 20-year anniversary. We have withdrawn from Afghanistan. We're not there anymore. And there's, of course, arguments being made by many that our withdrawal was wrong, that it was mishandled, that there were errors, that it should have been ahead this way, that we shouldn't have left. And you know what? Those are valid arguments. There are valid, valid arguments on both sides. Was the withdrawal from Afghanistan... Kind of a shit show. Yeah. There were many uh, shit show elements in there. But then again, this was something planned a year and a half before. There was a truce made in February 2020 that we were to be out of Afghanistan by May of 2021. We're even late, according to that timeline. So there's plenty of blame to go around on both sides regarding our departure from Afghanistan. And the one thing I could think of doing when I was watching everything that was happening in Afghanistan, seeing the rush of people in Kabul at the airport, seeing the planes taking off, seeing people attached to planes outside, yearning to be inside it, the security presence at the airport, the Taliban presence at the airport. There's, it's very normal to be feeling a multitude of emotions at those, at that site. You can be happy that we're leaving Afghanistan. Finally, after 20 years, the longest war in American history, you can be upset at the way it's being handled, that it was such a rush job. You can be angered that we were, that we signed a truce with the very installation we were fighting 20 years ago. The force that we drove out of Afghanistan, the Taliban, we've now signed a truce with them. And not only signed a truce, gave them everything, even gave them <laughs> some extra soldiers to use. And just left and you can feel sadness for those Afghans 
that helped us, helped the United States, and maybe are left, a number of which are now left behind, wondering if they're going to live another day under the rule of the Taliban. These are all emotions you can feel at once. And you can have anger at different sides. You can be of one ideology and be mad at your ideology and be mad at the other one over what's happening in Afghanistan. Because Republican, Democrat, we're both guilty for Afghanistan and the actions that took place there. And the first thing I could think of doing on that day was get in touch with some of my friends who served. I didn't ask them to come on. I didn't want to put them in that spot until they were ready. And maybe down the road, I'll have an episode featuring my military friends and how they felt about the withdrawal. But for right now, what I did was I messaged each one and I asked them how they were doing. I wanted to know how they were. I didn't get to all of them. I got to about four of them. And they all had the same response. There was the general feeling of we were there too long. It's time to go. We're thankful we're gone. But they were also, in a ways, heartbroken over the Afghans that were left behind. They thought of those that, they, that helped them throughout these years there and how they don't know how they're going to be now, what their future has for them now that they're going to be in Afghanistan that is ruled by the Taliban. Will the Taliban, you know, be truthful and say that, you know, clemency, everyone's fine, or will they be the Taliban we know and say, nope, no clemency. And I, I think it just shows, you know, the, the type of person that is in our United States military, the, the, the majority of our soldiers who are, give up their life to fight for our freedom, to also create these, you know, relationships with those abroad and then feel for them when we have to leave without providing the freedom we thought we would and thinking of them and hoping that they're going to be okay. That's tough. That's, that's a tough spot to be. So to those, I'm not going to name you, uh, but to the, the friends, the friends of mine who are 20 times, <laughs> 20 times above me who have served, I've got army, Navy and Marine friends to those of you. Thank you for your service. Don't, your service is not in vain. You fought for us and you, you fought for Afghan, Afghanistan. You fought for the people there. And you will always be held up in the highest regard by this host speaking now and many others like me. And so now we're left with an Afghanistan that is ruled by the Taliban with one person standing against him, against them, with his united front. And that is Ahmad Massoud. Now, that name sounds familiar. I know. I'm not talking about Ahmad Shah Massoud. See, Ahmad Shah Massoud 
was the leader of the Northern Alliance, Osama bin Laden's greatest rival, the man who was assassinated on September 9th, 2001, as the first victim of the 9-11 plot. No, now I'm talking about his son, Ahmad Massoud, who is in Panjshir, the home of his family, where his father reigned as the Lion of Panjshir. He has taken his father's mantle, and he is leading the alliance that continues to fight against the Taliban. Just, you know, funny how history is, right? How just over 20 years ago, his father was fighting this fight. And now 20 years later, the son takes up the same battle that his father was leading. It's, it's both, it's poetic. There's a, there's a romance level to it. And there's a, there's a sadness that once again, a Masood has to continue fighting because the job wasn't done even with the United States. And I bring this up because I was honored um, when I released the Masood and O'Neill episode of Based on a True Journey. It made its way to Ahmed Shah Masood's daughter, Maryam Masood. She read my article and she read and she had listened to this uh, to that episode. And she had nothing but the kindest of words to me. And, and I mean, I'm I was stunned at first that my article and an episode of this show made it to the eyes and ears of a descendant of Ahmad Shah Masood. And it was his daughter, Maryam. She reached me on Twitter. I've chatted with her on Instagram before. And she appreciated it. She appreciated that I spoke of her father. She had not known about John P. O'Neill. And so my, my article and episode educated her about him. But she was grateful that I was spreading, that I spread the, the, the word about her father. And I was just honored to, I'm honored that she even heard it. Um... And I did ask her if she wanted to talk to Based on a True Journey regarding the events in Afghanistan. And understandably, um, she was she appreciated the offer. Um, if it were a different time, she would have. But at that moment, she couldn't. And understandably, I get it. Uh, it wasn't really the time that she can actually sit back and provide us with the story of what she's going through. But, Maryam, if you hear this... Um, I appreciate you as a listener of Based on a True Journey. I appreciate you and your family, your father, your brother, and the continued fight that you are all leading against the Taliban and continuing uh, the tradition of the Masood family in fighting for the freedom of Afghanistan. Maryam, Ahmad, you will always have an ally in Based on a True Journey and this host, I want you to, I want you to know that that's a promise. So from here, the future of Afghanistan, unknown. The future of our veterans who served. I hope that we as a nation take the time to focus on those who served in all wars, especially the 20-year war in Afghanistan, because the way it ended, the way it's turned out, we need to be there for them. They've served us. Now it's our turn to serve them. And the future of us as a nation, 
I hope if there's any positive aspect that comes out of this war and comes out of the 20-year anniversary of 9-11, it's this. That we just, that we become more apparent of the world around us. That we become more apparent of the actions we take and how those actions affect our future. That before we jump into military industrial complex or time to go to war, time to fight, just kill them all, do some research, do some reading. If you're going to go after them, go after the right people. Go after Al-Qaeda. Go after Osama bin Laden. Don't go after an entire country that was simply, that has faced war for decades, that has now faced constant war for over 40 years. Don't go in blind. Understand the world around you. Look past your own sphere and see what else is out there and learn about what else is out there. They've always said knowledge is power. It's about time we live the truth of that term. Huh. Well, that concludes my, uh, my breakdown of how I've been feeling, of how we've all probably been feeling regarding the anniversary of 9-11, the 20-year anniversary of 9-11, and the end of this 20-year war in Afghanistan. And whether you agree with me or not, whether you are happy with what I've said or pissed off at what I've said, I hope you at least take the time to consider where these words are coming from, to go back in time and see how far back our involvement with the Middle East goes. Look at the steps that were taken then and see how those steps have led to where we are today. And maybe, maybe the, the good news here is that learning from those mishaps and mistakes or missteps that were taken throughout all those years, we can use them to educate us about the future steps we take, about the position we take in this global community. Now, this is usually the part of the show where I would tell you uh, where my sources came from or what shows or to watch or books to read, but there are there's a lot on 9-11 over the past 20 years. Uh, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, they're all going to have some amazing documentaries. Also available on Hulu is The Looming Tower, based on the incredibly well-detailed book focusing on John P. O'Neill and his struggle to bring down Al-Qaeda before the attacks of 9-11. That is still available on Hulu. Also, if you're looking for information regarding what is happening in Afghanistan as we speak and you have an Instagram account, I would say please follow Maryam Masood as well as her brother Ahmad Masood. Both are on Instagram. Both are detailing the steps they are taking over there everyday life in Afghanistan. I would also suggest you follow The Afghan, which is doing the exact same thing. Also follow Kyber Khan on Instagram, who has worked for National Geographic, as well as CBS and the BBC and Vice. He had some amazing footage of the last few weeks in Afghanistan. These are all accounts to follow if you are curious about how things are, how things currently are in Afghanistan through the eyes of those in Afghanistan. Also, you know, reach out to one of your military friends, someone you know who served, especially 
in Afghanistan and Iraq and let them know if they ever need an ear or a shoulder, you're there. They need you right now. Journeys are what define us. Where will your next journey take you? Until next time, stay on the path.